Well, please take your Bibles and turn with me at this time to the Gospel of Matthew, or Matthew chapter 28 this morning. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 10. Our message series is called Lead Me to the Cross, and for the past several months we've been following Jesus' last days to the cross. And all this Lenten season, we've reflected on how Jesus boldly, determinedly, and willingly went to the cross in obedience to the Father. All of his actions, all of his words spoke one single desire in prayer, Father, lead me, lead me to the cross. And it's been in many ways a a heart-wrenching journey. We've looked at Jesus' anointing for burial, his last supper with the disciples, his prayer for deliverance in the Garden of Gethsemane, his unjust trial before Caiaphas the high priest, his sufferings, and death on the cross. Uh, This Monday, Thursday of Holy Week, we saw how Jesus obediently went to the cross in fulfillment of Scripture. On Good Friday, we watched uh, as our Savior was laid to rest in a rich man's tomb. But thankfully, that's not the end of the story, is it? And even though we've been focusing on lead me to the cross, today we come to what I like to call the other side of the cross. And what we find here on the other side is that the cross is not the final destination. That death does not get the last word. So we're in Matthew 28, and I'm just going to read verses 1 through 4 as we get started. Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? Matthew 28, hear the word of the Lord. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Well, dear Lord, as we look at these verses and the verses following... As we look at the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, help us to understand this other side of the cross. Not only what it meant for for those back in in Jesus' time here on earth, Lord, but what it means for us right now, here today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. So here we are. It's Easter Sunday. And we are on the other side of the cross. Did you know that the cross has two sides to it? The cross is a dividing point in history. And it is also a dividing point in each of our lives. And when you stand before the cross, you're really standing before a crossroads. And you must choose. There are two sides of the cross for every person, and you can only be on either one side or the other. So far, all of our messages in this series have focused on leading up to the cross. Today, we look at what it means to be on the other side 
of the cross. There's an outline in your worship guide. I would encourage you to take that out. It will help you to follow along in the message. You may want to jot down some notes as we go too. But first, as you see in the outline there, we're going to see what does the other side of the cross mean for the women at the tomb? What did it mean for the women who visited Jesus' tomb? They were the first witnesses of Jesus' resurrection. Matthew mentions Mary Magdalene, and he says the other Mary. That was Mary, the mother of James. But you know that we know from the other Gospels there were other women there with them too. These were the women who had followed Jesus from Galilee to take care of his needs. These were the women who watched from a distance as Jesus hung on the cross. These were the women who followed Joseph of Arimathea to the tomb and saw exactly where Jesus was buried. And these were the women who rose early on a Sunday morning and brought spices to anoint the body of Jesus. Instead, they found an empty tomb with the stone rolled away, fainting guards, and a mighty angel sitting on the tombstone. And they had arrived at the other side of the cross. So what did the other side of the cross mean for the women? We can sum it up in three words. They're right there in your outline. Joy, worship, and commission. Joy, worship, and commission. First, Matthew tells us they experienced joy mixed with fear. You go, well, that's a strange combination of emotions. How do you mix joy with fear? Let's take a look at it. We're picking up now in verse 5, verses 5 through 8. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, he has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. So the angel shared with them the good news of Christ's resurrection. The women hurried away from the tomb. Matthew says, afraid yet filled with joy. Now the angel told them, don't be afraid. But they were afraid anyways, okay? You know what? You would have been too. This angel had just come from heaven, fresh with the glory of God. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. And even those tough, seasoned Roman guards guarding uh, the tomb, they were so afraid of him, they, they fell like dead men. They fainted before him. No wonder the women were afraid. But I believe they were also afraid because they didn't know what all this meant yet. You know, they, they had come expecting to anoint a dead man's body. And yet, what do they find? An angel telling them Jesus is alive. And they're wondering, what does this mean? What does this mean for us? What does this mean for the disciples? What does this mean for the world? 
So they hurry away from the tomb. They're afraid, but they're also filled with joy. And I believe this joy we are meant to see is the dominant emotion for the women here. Because Matthew says they're filled with it. They're filled with joy. Joy at the sight of the empty tomb. Joy at the good news that Jesus is risen from the dead. Joy that Jesus is alive and going ahead of them into Galilee. Joy that they will see their Lord again. Yeah, it's a strange combination at first, but when you look at it closely, it makes sense. Joy mixed with fear. And then the second word describing the other side of the cross for the women is worship. Worship, look at verse 9. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings. He said, they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. And so the women were not only the first witnesses to view the empty tomb, they were not only the first ones to hear the good news that Jesus had risen, they were also the first to see Jesus alive. Can you imagine? I mean, their, their whole world has just been turned upside down, but in a good way. You know, and here they're rushing, they're, they're running to tell the disciples the good news, and Jesus himself meets them on the way. Greetings, he said. You know, just like it was any normal day. Because you know what? This is the new normal on the other side of the cross. Jesus is alive. Every day is good news. And Jesus greets you every day with his power and love and forgiveness. And the woman, they just come to Jesus, they clasp his feet, and they worship him. They worship their Lord who suffered so much for them and now stood alive, alive and well, as our kids saying, Jesus is alive and doing well on the other side of the cross. And then the third word for our women this morning is commission. Commission, look at verse 10. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid, because they were still dealing with that joy mixed with fear thing, right? Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Jesus' resurrection is not just a nice story. It is the basis for new marching orders. The resurrection is good news, and good news is for sharing. And so Jesus commissions the women to go and tell the disciples, and later this commission will extend to the disciples and and then to us, as Jesus commissions all of us to go into all the world and to share the gospel, to tell the good news of Easter that Jesus Christ is alive. And so what did the other side of the cross mean for the women? Three words, joy, worship, commission. And it's the same for us today, isn't it, right? We should be filled with joy every day that Jesus is alive. We should fall at his feet in worship. We should go forth and tell others the good news of Jesus Christ. So that's the other side of the cross for the women. Now, what did the other side of the cross mean for Jesus? What did it mean for Jesus? 
We had three words for the women. We have three words for Jesus also. And these three words are satisfaction, reunion, and glory. So let's take a look at each of these. First of all, satisfaction. The other side of the cross for Jesus meant satisfaction. For here we go to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 53, verse 11. We read, after the suffering of his soul, speaking of Jesus, speaking of Jesus' sufferings and death on the cross, after the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Isaiah 53 is the most important chapter uh, in, the Old, in the Old Testament as far as prophecy foretelling the death of Christ on the cross. But it also foretells Christ's resurrection. That's what we see here. After the suffering of his soul, what will happen? He will see the light of life and he will be satisfied. Jesus went to the cross for a purpose. There was a reason why he marched determinedly to the cross in his last days, never wavering, praying through the temptation in the garden, refusing all assistance, both human and divine. Jesus went to the cross to pay the price for our sins that we might be forgiven, or as Isaiah says it in Isaiah 53, to bear our sins and to justify many. And now that Jesus was on the other side of the cross, he can see the work that has been accomplished, the work that he came to do has been done. And then Jesus looked across the whole scope of human history, and he saw the countless lives that would be saved by his sacrifice. And here on the other side of the cross, he was satisfied, deeply, richly, Fully satisfied. That's our first word for Jesus. The second word is reunion. And for this we flash back to the upper room the night before Jesus went to the cross. And we read in the Gospel of John, the 13th chapter. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. And then John goes on and tells us all that took place in in the upper room. But I want you to understand this now. John tells us it was just before the Passover feast. That means within the next 24 hours, Jesus would be betrayed, arrested, abandoned, denied, beaten, crucified, forsaken, dead, and buried. Now Jesus knew everything that was going to happen. And yet for Jesus, these next 24 hours meant something else. It was time for him to leave this world and return to the Father. Jesus and God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit for all of eternity had been in blessed fellowship and union with each other. At Christmas, Jesus left the Father and came to our world. And every day, how he longed to return. 
It was part of his suffering, part of the price he paid to save us from our sins. And so now with the cross looming before him, what is Jesus thinking about in the upper room? It's time to go back to my father. The other side of the cross meant that Jesus' work here on earth was done and he looked forward to his glorious reunion with his father in heaven. And that brings us to our third word for Jesus, which is glory. Glory. And for this, we're going to jump forward into the book of Revelation, chapter 5. Let me set the scene for you. We're in heaven. The scene is in heaven. Jesus, the Lamb of God, stands in the center of the throne. Encircled by the four living creatures and the 24 elders, they are surrounded by a choir of angels, thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000, who sing in a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then John tells us that every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them join together with them in the singing. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. For Jesus, the other side of the cross meant glory. Glory and honor and praise in heaven. His sacrifice on the cross will never be forgotten. It is the theme of all of heaven's songs. And he is worshipped forever as the lamb who was slain. As the one who is worthy to receive all power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. What does the other side of the cross mean for Jesus? Three words. Satisfaction. Reunion. Glory. Now there's one other aspect of the cross we must look at this morning. It's important to see what the other side of the cross meant for the women at the tomb. They were the first witnesses of Christ's resurrection. It's important to see what the other side of the cross meant for for Jesus, because he's the whole reason we're here celebrating Easter this morning. But it would be wrong to let you go this morning without reminding you of what the other side of the cross means for you. What the other side of the cross means for you. And once again, we have three words to look at here. They are salvation, perseverance, resurrection. First of all, salvation. In the Gospel of John, the third chapter, we read this about salvation in Christ. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Remember we said earlier that there are two sides to the cross, that when you come to the cross of Jesus, you come to a crossroads in your life, and and you, you have to make a choice. 
Will you accept what Jesus did for you at the cross and put your faith and trust in him as Lord and Savior? Or will you turn and walk away? There is forgiveness, salvation, and eternal life waiting for you at the cross of Jesus. But you must embrace it. You must receive it. What did John say? Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he or she has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So first of all, there's salvation for you on the other side of the cross. And then after you receive Jesus as your Savior, then the second word comes into play, perseverance. Perseverance. Hebrews chapter 12 says this about the Christian life. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You see, receiving Jesus as your Savior, that's just your first step. Okay? That's just your first step on the other side of the cross. And now that you're a Christian, that means you have embarked on a whole new life in relationship with Jesus. The Christian life is not a 100-yard dash It is an all-out marathon. You are a long-distance runner, and God has marked out the race for you. So how will you make it? How will you persevere to the end? How will you endure on the other side of the cross? There's only one way, and Hebrews tells us what it is. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus who endured the cross for you. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. One more word to go. Oh, it's such a beautiful one. Resurrection. Resurrection. We read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. For the Lord himself, our Lord Jesus himself, will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then after that, we who are still alive and are left, we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other With these words, as Christians, we need not fear death because death is no longer the end, but just the beginning. Jesus conquered sin and death and hell on the cross. And on the other side of the cross, there is resurrection and eternal life in God's presence.
There are two sides to the cross. So let me ask you, which side are you on this morning? The Bible tells us in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. The Bible says there's a a great chasm between you and God because of your sin. And you can never bridge this chasm on your own, no matter how hard you try. We cannot save ourselves. And if God never sent a Savior, none of us would ever go to heaven. The wages of sin is death, eternal death, apart from God. But praise God, that's not the end of the verse, okay? There's more to Romans 6, 23. And if we read the whole verse, it says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We could never bridge the gap ourselves, so Jesus bridged the gap for us. And we only have to trust in him to pass from one side to the other. And so there are two sides of the cross. On one side, the wages of sin is death. On the other side, the gift of God is eternal life. So I ask you again, Which side of the cross are you on this morning? Praise God, he has made a way for you through the cross of Jesus Christ. That is the good news of Easter. That is the glory of the cross. That is why Jesus is satisfied this morning. Because he is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen risen indeed. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for sending Jesus not only to die on the cross, not only to be buried in the tomb, but to raise on the third day victorious over sin and death and the grave and hell. We thank you that there are two sides of the cross. We were all stuck on that first side, Lord, and apart from you, we would still be there. Thank you for the other side of the cross where we can walk with you every day of our lives and have the hope and certainty of eternal life when we die. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It is in your name we pray. Amen.